0: Bum
1: episode of the snap no tap podcast i'm tony chikini along with the great the one and only the living legend the true living legend uh what's your name again oh joe cardinal i get mixed up with all the because he's got so many i mean the accolades born in what's that
2: i'm saying you're getting to that age where even famous names elude you so our guests are used to it
1: and we have a very special guest which we're going to get to because this is a personal thing with, with, with this guy and it's it's interesting so but um, so
2: how are things, Joe? Things are doing good. Uh, my sister's back from the hospital so I'm pretty excited about this. So this will be my last time hopefully uh, recording up from the attic at her place so I'll be changing I'll be back home which I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, I feel sorry for your wife. <laughs> exactly, she'll be moving out. That's the the, the subtitle <laughs> of what's going to happen. Um,
1: don't even joke about that.
2: Um, let's see what else. Uh, had we had, had our work- this workshop weekend, you know, which was good. So, I got in some good training with you yesterday, which I was pretty happy about. Uh, got yeah, in- let's
1: talk about that. So, for that, from now on, and this is going to be hard for me because I'm set, but we got to start referring to them as workshops because a seminar. I mean nothing wrong with labeling that but a seminar is basically less interactive in the sense of the instructor has uh techniques or a subject even if it's if it's not martial arts related and that's all you cover. We don't do anything like that. I never show up with an idea because we freelance and we work off the energy of the students and their needs. And I think it's great for the student everybody uh, compliments me on that because um like like today's seminar, or, well, here we go, today's workshop, we had a new guy, and we're going to get to that later. And, man, I took the time to show him stuff pertaining to him, because the rest of the seminar, ah, this, I keep saying seminar, the rest of the workshop participants needed this stuff, too. So yesterday, this is where Joe, this was at Jason Bender's, Bender Martial Arts and Fitness. Um, We had a first-timer. Uh, Eddie from Spain but he lives in Chicago and Eddie is a black belt under Superfoot system under Bill Wallace and he trains with one of our previous guests and one of my closest friends and longest friends and one of my students Terry Dow small world so I guess he found out about me doing seminars or workshops (laughs) with Terry through Terry some whatever and then he watched the uh podcast with terry dow and boom he showed up so joe got to meet him and um uh, very nice guy Don't, wouldn't
2: you say joe Oh, absolutely and it was just very interesting to you know address his questions coming from his style and his concerns about you know how to address grappling from his perspective and and then basically when we're talking workshops it's kind of like Really, it's like a semi-private lesson. You know, you're interacting directly with the students, seeing what their needs are, and kind of riffing off of that. So, you know, there was a a small handful of us there, and each one of us came with our own things that we wanted to work on, and you just riffed on that. And so I don't think, yeah, most people, when they come to seminars, they're they're expecting kind of like – If they get any interaction from the instructor, it might just be corrections on whatever the instructor wants to show you. But this is really a golden opportunity for people who are able to go to these that, you know, uh, if you come with questions or problems or issues. Uh, maybe not in your personal life, but you know whatever yeah. you're, whatever technique you're yeah. working on or have questions about stuff you've seen in Tony's videos or even, like I said, stuff we covered I've never seen before. That's one of the things that uh, always amazes me. I'm like, oh, you know, I've seen the, the base curriculum. I think I know. And also, you'll take it in a direction I've never seen. Uh, and I'm once again scared of what you're capable of doing to the human body. Um, just stuff I was not expecting to see um, happen. So um, that's cool. And so, yeah, people... You know, I'm kind of bummed because I usually only can make one of these, and I wish I could be at every single one of these. um, Yeah, I wish you
1: could, too. uh,
2: Well, we'll see. You know, maybe uh, a break, but uh, we'll... Let's
1: just shout out that the next two workshops will be Saturday. These are generally, for everybody's uh, edification, the third Saturday and Sunday of the month. Um, But again... Always check my website or check the podcasts or what have you just to double check because sometimes things get changed around. A lot of this, is, since it's not my physical gym, it's, it's gyms, it's out of my control. So the next two, same places. Saturday, February 18th, uh, Bender's Martial Arts and Fitness, 1.30 p.m. to 3.30. And then the next day, which will be the Sunday, February 19th, uh, at DuPage, crowd Maga, which technically is Glen Ellen. I keep calling it Downers Grove, but I, it, it's close enough. Um, from 10 a.m. to 12. Um, and a good bunch of, you know, crowd guys there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's that. I, I'm going to discuss within the next few days some stuff that I have ideas with uh, for, like, maybe a summer and fall camp uh here at my place for just it's going to be maybe five people tops um don't know yet uh i've I've run these well i've never run a camp but i've had training out of here but we may we may try to do that um we'll discuss it i got to run ideas past people to see if it's even worthwhile um but yeah pretty much uh that's that uh and i think now that we got all the pleasantries out i think that we need to get, uh, introduce our guest um and don't forget to plug anything joe where he's got going so let's go joe all
2: right well yeah i'm really happy to have scott scott gave to join it's been a long time we actually went to his school which is uh fit to defend academy um and that's up in the northern suburbs uh scott what where is that at again
3: So uh, we're located in Lake Bluff now. When you guys came out, uh, I had two gyms or two different locations. We were in Libertyville at the time when you guys came out, but currently we have a gym in Lake Bluff, Illinois.
2: Excellent. Well, yeah, like I said, we had a really, uh, this is pre COVID when I think we did a workshop up there. It was a really great turnout and a a really good, uh, we covered a lot of good foundational catch skills and it was a really good time. Uh, We had like some really, I think, uh, good conversations afterwards. And so uh i'm it's been a too long of a time to kind of catch back up with you but uh i'm excited to hear what what's been going on with you since then um but uh yeah let's just start at the beginning um tell us your story where did you grow up in the in the chicago area
3: yeah so i grew up in the suburbs of uh gage's lakes so a wildwood uh area most people like say it's close to gurney um that's where i grew up i grew up with uh a big family. There was uh, nine of us growing up, the youngest of, of nine. I have an identical twin brother. And um, yeah, so growing up was pretty competitive. And and throughout growing up, we uh, eventually got into uh, martial arts when I was around 12 and uh, about to be 40 in the next couple months. So it's been a long journey. <laughs> wow. Well, and
1: you look like a kid.
3: You don't look forward to yeah. it. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's good, good <laughs> genetics. But you know, as I mean, as you know, when you do martial arts, it does something for you—just you know, spiritually, physically, emotionally—if you do it the right way.
2: Um, did you? Would did you come from an athletic family, like a sports-based family or a fight family? And I mean, <clears throat> some- <laughs>
3: uh, sure. No, yeah. We, I mean, we are very athletic. Our, my family, as far as based on our sports, especially the brothers, we all grew up. Playing football and baseball and uh, we raced bmx bmx bikes for a long time as kids and um when you know as you guys know when we were younger, we were outside playing all the time kids nowadays that's not even a thing but uh so we were constantly outside um I got actually hooked into martial arts because I had some anxiety issues growing up in school, thinking about people wanting to bully me, and I just kind of built up this this anxiety inside of me and created this stomach ulcer and was was um, asked to talk to the school counselor, and the school counselor, her son and her were um, in, uh, inviting me to do a martial art class with them. And I went and checked it out with my twin brother, and I fell in love with it. And I've been pretty much doing it every day since.
1: Was it taekwondo?
3: Yeah, so, you know, I started in 90, what was that, like 93, 94. It was in taekwondo, because that's really all really was around, you know, <laughs> it was taekwondo karate gyms. So I started in Taekwondo. I was under a Jun Ri uh, affiliation, which was uh, Grandmaster Jun Ri was one of the gentlemen that brought Taekwondo from Korea to America. He was out of Washington. He had a, uh, a franchise gym from a guy named Stephen Oliver from Colorado, and we had like a network gym out here in the suburbs, and um, actually in Gray's Lake, and that's where I started. I started in Taekwondo. I, I did that for about eight years Whoa. and com- competed all around the United States, and uh, actually ended up taking over the gym when I was around 17, a senior in high school, because the the owner of the place decided to do some extracurricular activities with one of the students. Let's keep it keep it short, and uh, I was like his right-hand man, and uh, his wife ended up owning 51% of the business, so um, she, she asked me to take over the gym, so I did that from 17 to 20. Uh, so I was doing Taekwondo but then I got to a point that I was like man there's got to be more out there like more martial art training and uh, I felt like I, I was barely scratching the surface and then uh, at that point I left the Taekwondo gym and I got into a gym with a fellow that you know really well uh, by the name of Mark Halleck uh, and I trained at his gym North Shore Academy for about 10 years and uh I was. I took over his kids program and made it super successful. I grew it really, it was really great. And um, so I, I got to train in all the styles that he, people that he brought in. That's one thing he was really good at was always bringing in people for seminars and things. Uh, so we did a little bit of a uh, Muay Thai kickboxing there. We did his JKD Kali stuff that he does, <clears throat> but where I got the most from his gym was a guy named uh, Ben Seeley who you might, might remember as well.
1: Yeah, he was one of my students briefly. Yeah, he was. And he had exactly. a sister. And that's
3: actually, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's actually how I, I heard about you so many years ago. Man, this was over 20 years ago that I that I had heard stories about you and and um, what you were teaching. And you were kind of like a pioneer in, in the area. Uh, you were just... Um, so yeah, so I was working with Ben Seely. He was showing me some of the some of the catch wrestling that you were showing him and then some shoot wrestling, which was kind of derived from Eric Paulson and Ron Balicki, uh, that whole shoot wrestling system. And then uh, he ended up leaving and doing his uh, like moving out of state or something. Oh. Uh, and then, and then uh, I actually, from there, I, I pursued more MMA and jujitsu because I loved the grappling so much. And uh, here we are. <laughs>
1: Small. It's what a coincidence. Now speaking of Halleck, I haven't seen him. Well, I haven't seen him physically seen him in probably thirty years. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, at least twenty five years. I'd have to say nineteen ninety six. You know, so we're approaching. Man, it's hard to believe we're approaching thirty years. Um, Yeah. uh, Yeah, and I've trained it or I've taught it other. Like uh, I used to do seminars at various JKD schools throughout the country uh sure. and it's 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 an interesting thing so it's kind of like a smorgasbord you know and then i i would think that if you found something like you did you found that you really liked the grappling aspect from that school and you, and you mm-hmm. dove into it at, you know you immersed yourself in it and you became a phenomenal grappler that's just that's just fantastic mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I, I think the JKD mindset is really good, the Bruce Lee mindset of absorb what's useful, reject what's useless. And I and I think having a well-rounded self-defense uh range of fighting or self-defense, I think is super important. I think people should know how to throw punches, people should know how to throw kicks and um and then they need to know how to grapple or get a hold of somebody, wrestle somebody, and then of course learn how to f- wrestle on the ground. Uh, I think some a lot of people are getting becoming too one-dimensional. And that's from the Taekwondo guys that think they can really fight to the Jiu-Jitsu guys that think that it's always going to end up on the ground. Uh, I think having a an understanding of all the ranges of self-defense is, is essential for real self-defense, uh, from my perspective.
1: I, I agree. And, well, the two, the two things, though, well, first of all, I should tell everybody never date a, a woman that, that does JKD because, like he said, They'll reject what's useless, so that's probably why (laughs) I'm single. Um, But seriously, the now this is not a knock on JKD. This could this because other styles are like this too. You may let's say you're on vacation. You go to Boise, Idaho. You go to a JKD school. You fall in love with the JKD thing. Oh, this is great! Now you go home. You go to your local JKD school. Well, they may have a different curriculum. And I found out that this is happening in Krav Maga schools. So mm-hmm. one school of craft might be, you know, focused on certain types of stand-up techniques almost exclusively. Uh, others may, may be into the ground stuff. So, you know, but I'm like you, Scott. I I, I wasn't into JKD, but I, I was raised around boxers, and then some old-time martial arts. You know, like uh, military guys would show me things. So yeah, I was like that, learning all the different ranges of, of combat. I think it's phenomenal.
3: Yeah. And, you know, that that was one of the benefits that I that I got from Mark because he brought in so many people, Um, you know, just with him specifically. He wasn't uh, he was really big into the collie aspect, the JKD, too, but the collie, they really like the stick work and the, the knife stuff. And, you know, it's 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 cool to understand the range and there's a cool art behind it. But some of it just became a little excessive right and and, yep. and practical um in regards to real self-defense now again the art aspect of it was was really cool and and there's a lot to be to be learned in that art right um but he did expose me to a lot of really good martial artists and legends in the game you know from Dan Inosano to Rick Faye um as I said he mentioned you a lot he actually showed me some old uh videos of of, of you bending them up uh many many years ago uh so that's actually how i like i said how i i heard about you so so long ago you know you mentioned
1: uh, danny Nassano, legend in the martial arts and i've met quite a few legends in the martial arts and he's not one of them i never had the opportunity and it's my loss to um mm-hmm. uh, to meet him and you know i'm one of these old romantic nostalgic people and i'd like to i'd like to meet the guy not do anything other than just to meet him and talk to him. Like I got to meet Larry Hartzell through, um, yeah. Marcus Charles, which is sure. We, we hung out at, um, at a restaurant, the three of us. Um, what, you know, awesome. Just there's some quality people out there. When I was in New York, I met, um, well, some of you may not know, but a guy named Shaka Zulu, who was who a legend on the East coast. I met Ron Van Cleef, you know, uh, Mm-hmm. after fought fought the UFC, I got to meet these guys. And uh, matter of fact, we were doing a seminar at, I believe it was Shaka Zulu's, uh school that they rented. And another time I did it at another school. And I got Henzo Gracie. This is before he opened up his school. Henzo was running a class, and then my seminar was afterwards, so I got to meet Henzo. Uh, yep. But I, I never got to meet – and I got to talk to Gene LaBelle a few times on the phone. I never made it out to Cali to see him. But I want to meet Danny I, I That'd be a pleasure.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually just saw right before I got on with you guys, I saw that he posted, uh, I want to say it's March, like March 17th, 18th. He's actually going to be in Minnesota at uh, Rick Fay, one of his schools, stud, uh, affiliate schools. Um, what's it called? Milif- um, Minnesota Collie Group. And he's going to be out there doing a seminar with Danny Nassanto. I mean, he's, man, he's mid-70s now, I think, and uh, – he still moves really well for his age and uh, he's still inspiring and growing. I mean, I think the guy's got, I think there was like 18, 19, 20 different black belts and different martial arts. The guy's incredible. He he really is a living legend and a wealth of knowledge. Incredible person too.
1: Well, you're incredible too, in the way you approach jujitsu. Like you just mentioned a few moments ago that some jujitsuans are, uh, close-minded all it's all all grappling only but you're not only open-minded because being open-minded is one thing but you have the ability to to back it up you mean you're skilled and i don't give out compliments a lot because i mean you know it's just not the way i was raised you know you got to really prove yourself um i i i I can't i can't i think the world of you and your ability so i highly recommend people if they're interested in jujitsu and stuff please look up uh, Scott's school and, and he's personable. You could tell he's a nice
3: guy. I appreciate the kind words, especially coming from you. Like I said, you were really the first person that I heard about when it comes to grappling. I mean, you were around before anybody was. And um, it's because I'm uh, old. So, well, I would say, see, let's say seasoned. You're very seasoned, <laughs> right? So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I I so thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Um, but you know, and that's the other thing is you know, I think integrity is a really important part of what we do, just because a lot of people are giving out false hope and when it comes to self-defense, and you want to get people really hurt. I mean, then we have to be honest with people, like, hey, are we training the sport of of martial arts? Are we training the combat aspect of 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 martial arts? And to go off of your workshops, you know, I've attended one or two of your workshops and I've seen some of your training stuff and The one thing that I think separates you from many people, as I call a lot of people now kind of YouTube stars, you know, they come out, they show their cool technique of the day, but most times it doesn't work for people or they don't give you the specifics of why it works so well for them. And that's one thing I really respected about you when I got to train with you uh, and brought you guys and brought you out was the specifics, you know, like you were really specific on the details of why this works and, uh, and, and it really cleaned up a lot of the game of, of the catch wrestling or the, or the submission wrestling that a lot of people don't show anymore. Everybody wants to show the cool, fancy stuff. Hey, which is great, but you know, we're talking about defending our families ourselves against a real resisting opponent. So if our, our techniques aren't perfect, I mean, that can be the difference from <laughs> losing the fight and, and defending your family or yourself. Right. So. Well, just thank so you so there little, too.
1: Well, yeah. And I don't want to get into the reasons, I mean, a lot of times people don't know they 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 can't yeah. they don't know the they, it's rote memory. Um, but what's important, and you grasped on it, is when you have these. I, I can't be there every day, twenty four hours a day. Your personal, not you specifically, but your personal bodyguard. So when you understand all the nuances and the science behind these moves, you should be able to figure out on your own now why did it why did it not work today in practice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Here's where I'm, I'm <clears throat> screwing up. Um, that's, that's the big thing. Uh, and, and I think I have an advantage over most because, uh, I was taught strictly for self-defense. There was no sport grappling at all outside of, you know, amateur wrestling. I should say there was no sport submission things like we have today. Um, so this was, but, but you grasp things. You're a good learner. Uh, there's a lot of people who just, you know, don't know how to learn. And it, some guys and gals really some want to learn and they just yeah. don't understand how, because they're, I guess their previous instruction doesn't, you know, it's like, do as I say, I, I'm yeah. not really like that.
3: I want input. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I also think that, you know, Mike Tyson has a great quote. Everybody gets, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face kind of thing. And uh I think that has a lot to do with the learning process. I think everybody has a certain, Uh, expectation on what they're going to learn when they go into a jujitsu academy or a boxing academy. Uh, And then when they realize the level of stress that it takes to get good at this, they're not really willing to kind of continue with it or put into it what they, what's needed. Uh, You know, and that's why our bodies are on the line all the time. Uh, You know, this morning I had an opportunity, uh, I had some free time. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to a a gym down the road here, about 40 minutes from here. I'm going to go do some cross training and I walked in thinking it was an open mat, but it was an open mat with striking. So we ended up doing jiu-jitsu with strikes this morning. It uh, uh, was not planned. But, you know, for me, it was, it was a proof to me of all the training that I've done that I could hold my own with these guys that, are, that I wasn't really expecting to go in and throw punches at each other and kicks at each other with jiu-jitsu this morning. Um, and I think that that's really important to be able to test yourself like that uh, if you really want to know how to defend yourself, you know. So.
1: Well, let me augment that by saying you said you're approaching forty, and yet you're still doing this, uh, going to new gyms mm-hmm. or uh, uh, cross training, as you said, because yeah. the bad guy doesn't give a shit that you're forty or that you got a broken <laughs> leg or they, yeah. they smell blood. Um, yeah. So, man, coo- again, this is just another reason why people should should seek you out for training because you got the right. To me, you have the right mindset. Um, you're not just a sport guy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one thing that I that I got from my current jujitsu coach, um, you know, through all the years of training, you know, everybody wants to get a black belt. You know, I have a few black belts right now, but the coach that I have right now, I got my jujitsu black belt from. I currently have my my first degree black belt from him. And he's he has that mentality of um, you should go cross train. You should you should get different people's energies. And and, uh, we do this thing. Uh, we rotate between gi and no gi every week. So every Monday we start our week off. So this week at our gym is no gi, right? So it just gives people a different perspective of of what jujitsu really is. Because if I can grab onto you with a gi, that's completely different than if I can't grab a gi. Uh, it changes the, the whole grip pattern. It changes the control pattern. Um, and uh, I think sometimes we get, some people get too caught up in the sport aspect of jujitsu, um, you know, like many other sport martial arts out there. What do you have to say about all
1: this, Joe?
2: Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's very cool that you rotate from uh, gi to no gi because you're absolutely right. Um, If you're too dependent on one or the other, I've seen it, you know, I've felt it when I've gone up with someone who's, you know, very gi dependent and all of a sudden they don't have that hook, that, that thing to grab on and shut me down, you know, um, all of a sudden it's like, you know, and, and you can see there's a little bit of, yeah. It, and so, um, yeah, that's just one example. And even like, yeah, grappling on your feet, you know, I think the one thing I've seen jujitsu, I think to its credit, I think it's still evolving and adapting and maybe like some of the fundamental skills are still the same, but at least their approach to training. So I think they're seeing, Oh, we had gaps in our game. Like, Yeah. We spent way too much time starting on our knees, starting on our back, and we could never take someone down. Or we had to always pull guard. Or, you know, some guys like if they didn't, you know, the only finishes they knew were like collar chokes and things. Well, you need some other skills if that person doesn't have the right clothing on, you know. <laughs> or if you, you, you maybe you might may be able to sh- stop me from attacking you if you can just hold on to certain parts of my gi. But you know, that might you might not always have that luxury. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. I mean, it seems like you're really embracing that. That's good. But I've heard other schools and stuff where, they, yeah, they're heading into that. You really can't, you really need to keep diversifying and seeing where am I weak at and what what are the scenarios that I might not be practicing. And, yeah, that goes right into striking and weapons, too. I mean, you really have to always think big picture, I think, and not lose sight of what you're really trying to accomplish um, and, and how to get there. Um, I was going to ask you, with your Taekwondo background what things did you what things have you carried over from taekwondo skill wise and maybe um, ethos wise or what, what things
3: have stuck with you um, well the, the biggest thing that I took from taekwondo was uh, the character developmental aspect uh, you know, I, I, implement that a lot in my kids program that I, that I offer at my gym and all the kids program that I've developed over the years. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing I took from the Taekwondo aspect. You know, they have these words of the belt that they talk about, like self-esteem, feeling good about yourself, being aware of your surroundings, controlling your emotions, disciplining yourself, expecting high things from yourself, having a self image, uh, having a set direction, projecting yourself the best way every day kind of thing. So uh, I would say those core values, uh, those principles, I think was the biggest thing that I took from Taekwondo, but as far as self-defense space, um, I think making you understand that there's different ranges of, of, of combat. Taekwondo is very proficient at the kicking range, but outside of that, they're, 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 they're lacking uh, from my experience. Uh, so uh, also practicality wise, you know, I think, in taekwondo sometimes we think that we're better than we really are especially in some of the the katas and the forms we think that that's practical but uh, you know the the Koreans so i don't know if you guys know but like the the Koreans kind of stole their 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 taekwondo system from the japanese right the japanese the Koreans hired a japanese general to come in and teach them martial art techniques and then when the Koreans felt that they had it well down well enough they kicked the japanese general out well the Japanese general never told them the applications of the moves they were teaching. Right. So they were just doing all these katas and forms, but they never really understood the practicality or the application of the moves. Um, and I didn't really realize that until I moved into the JKD Kali world, uh, and started doing more research on it. Um, so Taekwondo was, I got good things and bad things from it. So. (laughs)
1: Let me ask a quick question, and get, then we'll get back to Joe, because I won't remember to ask this. On the j sure. thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what I, uh, with some of the more exotic arts, uh, Penchak Silat, and uh, there's others yeah. that I can't remember now that I've been exposed to via sure. teaching there. what stru- struck you? What stuck out for you out of those uh, esoteric styles?
3: Uh, like stuck out in regards to what did I like the most or just stuck yeah, out like which one uh, did you see oh
1: this is cool I want to re- outside of obviously we know the grappling but besides that yeah I um,
3: I like the uh, the Panateukan, which was the Filipino dirty boxing. you know they would go more into like poking eyes and uh, hand destructions and diminishing your your opponent like breaking your partner down with individual strikes. I, re- I really like that concept being a being a smaller person. I don't want to go punch for punch with a big guy. It's just not a really smart idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, so that diminished fighter theory, the the, the Filipino boxing, it's called Panatukin. Um, I thought that was cool. Uh, again, back to the ranges. I really like that JKD encompassed every range from kick, kicking to punching to trapping to clinching. Uh, they did some basic groundwork, mainly from Larry Hartzell's uh, influence that you had brought up earlier today. Um, but, uh yeah, I, I I like that. I like the, um, you had mentioned this earlier as well, like some of the JKD guys were a lot more on the collie aspect. Some of the JKD guys were more on the trapping, traditional JKD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's some JKD guys that were really big in the Thai boxing, like kickboxing. And I love the kickboxing aspect of it, uh, especially when I get to train with Matt Albanese, who you might have known as a kid. I mean, he was probably 15, 14 at the time when you met him but um, he was one of Mark's students, but he was talented in kickboxing. So I got to train with him quite a bit. Um, And then, like I said, the the grappling from Ben Seeley was, uh, and, and, and I was, you know, I was maybe 140 pounds and Ben was like a 240 pound guy. And uh, I was the only one showing up for his class. So he was just, man, he was just beating the tar out of me for like two years. I was like the only guy showing up. I felt like, but uh, you know, a lot of, You know, it just made me comfortable being really uncomfortable. And that's what I really appreciate about him. So, but yeah, the JKD, I like the Panatoucan aspect of it. I like uh, the the mentality, the concept of finding what's useful for you was uh, was a cool idea. Well said.
2: Joe? Well, I always like to survey people who had kind of diverse striking background, especially diverse kicking background. So uh sure. this is kind of a personal surveying question of me because my thinking is kind of evolving on it. And so um so I, I had I was fortunate enough very early on uh in the eighties at the Degerberg Academy, they had moi sure. very, very early on. Um yeah. and so one of my go-to's were the leg kicks. At at the time no one no one knew about leg kicks and it was just kind of like yeah. a, it was like a quick You know, um, people were just very defenseless down there. And so they they were not conditioned for those kind of shots. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but now, you know, with, you know, we're we're with 30 plus years of the UFC and we've got a lot of information out there and Mm -hmm. people are a little bit more literate in that. I think people are aware as a threat Um, and they're also aware of the defenses. And Mm -hmm. over time, we're just, I mean, I think we're all aware of some of the horrific leg breaks that we've seen. Uh, shin yeah. and that's caused me to hesitate a little bit about using mm. that as a tool in self-defense uh, sure. and so i've almost in my thinking is saying you know do i need to start thinking more towards traditional kicking using my heels and things that won't break you know at, at a minimum i want to be able to run away is kind of my you know in mm. the last case yeah and so sure. if my shins my shins <clears throat> broken uh you know i'm a dead man Pretty much, you know, yeah. I, I, uh, and um, so I don't know if you, you've thought about that. Is that, you know, you know, I haven't really gotten a good answer from even some seasoned Thai people. I mean, they basically say, oh, you're throwing the kick wrong or your leg's aren't conditioned yeah. enough.
3: But if I'm not a professional yeah. Thai boxer, you
0: yeah.
3: know, but anyways, I, what are your thoughts? So, I, yeah, my thoughts on that is our um, first and foremost placement of the kick is really important. So, like, you've mentioned the UFC. I, I'm a – man, I <laughs> – if I could tell you how much money and time I've spent on watching fights, I, I, I could have been a millionaire probably years ago. Right. But like I'm, I'm religiously watching fights, but you know, if you watch where they're actually placing these kicks and it's not the guys that are getting their legs broke is because they're kicking people at the knee line or above the knee line, more of the quad. Right. And that's giving the person the ability to leg check. But if you kick somebody more in the, in the uh, like the you know, ulnar nerve on the bottom, like in the calf itself, uh, the bottom part of the calf, you're seeing a lot more people getting more devastation from the results um, when they're throwing these kicks. You don't have to throw 10, 15 kicks. Um, but I also think low line kicks are safe because first, you're not so much off balance. And second, it allows you to cover the range to get into the punching range uh, of combat, which is pretty much where we want to be. We want to get to the punches so we can get to the clinch and we can get the person to the ground. Uh, again, me being a smaller person, I want to, I want that person to lose as much kinetic energy as possible. And you're going to lose at least 50% of that kinetic energy when I get you to the ground. Um, so in regards to the kicking aspect, I like teeps a lot. I think teeps or front kicks, some people call them depending on how you throw the kick. I think teeps are probably the most effective kick. It's the fastest kick is a straight line. And, uh, there's not a lot of risk, uh, for injury. Um, unless you kick the guy's elbow, but, uh, yeah, I like teeps a lot. Um, side kicks are really effective. You're just really committed if you're throwing the kicks. If you miss, you're kind of exposing your back. Um, my favorite kick in Taekwondo, I knocked out three guys when I was a kid, was spinning hook kicks but or spinning heel kicks. But, again, you miss it. You're kind of exposing yourself for the kicking range. Cool.
1: Yeah, well, Bill wall is master of the side kick.
3: Yeah, he was amazing. I actually trained with uh, Bill Superfallis twice. And uh, he was remarkable. Uh, he actually stood me up in, uh, I was doing, I was fighting in a tournament when I was uh, 16. And he's like, who thinks they're fast? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm fast. <laughs> and he stood me up in front of probably like five, 600 people. He's like, all right, Scott, I'm going to kick you in the head. Okay. I'm like, okay, whatever you say. He kicks me in the body. He kicks me in the body the second time. The third time I went to block the body and then he kicks me upside the head. And he, the guy was remarkable. I think they rated his kick at 78 miles per hour or 82 miles per hour.
1: Yeah, he's he's a remarkable guy. He just is. And I, I just want to switch gears because, again, I, I want to get this in before I forget. I met a wonderful sure. guy today at today's uh, workshop called James who drove a couple hours to come out. And uh, I want to shout out in case he's watching this. Thank you again, James. James is a, a jiu-jitsu guy, but he's also a crowd guy. Um, But he he's known me for like 20 years when he was in the Rangers Army. You know, um, I just because we were talking about Bill Wallace, so that popped in my head. Yeah, so I'm sorry, but I just want to say hello, James. Thanks again.
2: That's good. So yeah. what, what, what else? Joe? Mm-hmm. Joe Cardinal, what else you have? Yeah. So well, what's the future for you here now? How's the school
3: going? What what kind of programs do you offer?
2: Uh, the, the gym's
3: going well, you know, um, we were, we were doing really well and then COVID happened and we kind of lost traction a little bit, but we're back to where we were and, uh, we're kind of growing, which is nice. Um, so I have two, I have an adult program and I have a kids program. Uh, my kids program is, uh, our main program is our kids combatives program. And that encompasses every range of self-defense. In addition to that, it covers character development. So in order for the kids to progress from one stripe or one belt there's certain words of the belts or words of the month that they have to talk about. You know, you know, I, I think with influence, we have to, we have to use our influence in a positive way. You know, there's a thing called influence versus authority. So I try to influence these kids to make our, our future, a better place, right. Our world, a better place. And and I kind of do that through the martial arts. And then we have a second kids program for the kids, a little bit more committed that want to compete. I have a kid's jujitsu program. And then, um, And then for my adult program, I have primarily my main one, excuse me, is my adult jujitsu class or program. And then two days a week, we have, we just started an adult combatus program.
2: You know, I want to comment on, you know, you mentioned it earlier and I should have responded to it, but you talked a lot about like the character development. And I think a lot of, some people might think it's just kind of paying lip service, but I think it's, you really can't emphasize how important it is. I mean, obviously we should know that's a good thing, but I think you know, if you're just training people in, in martial skills, you know, I, I think mm-hmm. I, I'm going to plagiarize it, but you're, you're kind of making a thug factory, basically, you know, yeah. if, you if you just teach people to be badasses and don't give them direction, that can be mm-hmm. You know, you're giving them a, a, like a loaded gun, maybe, and they can just get into trouble with that. So I think, I think it's great that that is something that you're retaining and working with, you know, uh, that, yeah, because the skills without context uh, can
3: actually be a big negative
2: you know in the world
3: yeah well you know and then I, I you know as you said the skills that we're teaching for the most part are very dangerous right and especially when they start growing into their body and they get that strength uh to be able to apply these moves but uh you know it, it's important that these kids um you know mental health is a big problem in our community right now uh suicide rates are yeah. skyrocketing pharmaceutical drugs are people taking them like medicine right and and some people need them i get it right but um it's just a scary world and and i think it's because people don't realize what grit is anymore people don't realize that failing is a good thing sometimes it, it develops us as human beings it develops our character and um you know when covid happened i think a lot of people's identity was questioned and a lot of people didn't have that character to kind of fall back on and say man i'm i'm this person and this is this is i know i'm going to overcome this and 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 uh and i think the more we can get that in, into our community and and actually make people don't just speak it, but make these people fail in training, and then make them succeed as well, and see the growth that they're having. I mean, I'm we're just then a conductor of them realizing what their potential is, uh, and I think that's what the reason I teach martial arts. I mean, teaching people how to kick and punch is great, but I want to I want to really make a difference for these kids and these students long term because they're going to face challenges as we all know as adults and and stressful times and and failure and we want to kind of set them up to succeed um in that recovering process
1: it's very well yeah. said so you're looking not only to make a better fighter but you want to make a better person
3: yeah and you know i tell my kids my students all the time if you know, if I if your parents said, "Hey, we're going to go to character developmental class today," nobody would want to come, right? Yeah. But if we said, you know I mean, but if we said we're going to teach some martial arts, and inside of that martial arts, we're going to hide some gems of 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 skills that are going to help you long term in life outside of martial arts, um, they're more willing to come to class. You know that that dovetails
2: into so some of the other podcasts. So one of the things I do is the Tracker Survival School. Out in New Okay. and one of the things that's very interesting is I I've, as I've been researching and reading into some of their initiatives. Um, one of them is they talk about, and you know, a lot of, you know, because a lot of their skills are based, you know, they're learned from primitive hunter gatherer cultures, and they talk mm-hmm. about how, what's so key in the, one of the things that those cultures is mentorship, that that, those cultures, you know, the aunts, the uncles, you know, it's, um they're working and and, and relaying and trying to, you know, keep these kids alive and possibly dangerous situations just because life is a little bit more dangerous when you're living primitively. So they they, they need constant, you know, mentorship from those around them. And that's something that we as a modern society have lost a lot. And so um, I think at least partially uh, martial arts community, if it wants to can help fill that gap. I mean, really all, all adults should hopefully find that as part of uh, their calling or their vision as you, as you transition into being, you know, an older person, whether you have nieces, nephews, whatever, um, you know, the neighbor next door. I mean, Tony was mentored by, by his coach, maybe a little rough mentorship. Maybe you don't want to go that extreme, but I mean, I think he, he was seeing a kid who needed something. And I think that's, that's cool to see that being done and, 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 And I think yeah, if anything, that that's the one thing—the most important thing—that really any teacher or coach can be doing is thinking about, you know, more than just the sport or the skill.
3: Yeah, and you know, to kind of uh, co-tail off what we were saying earlier about the influence versus authority. You know, there's a big difference from if I say, "Hey, give me ten push-ups," than if I say, "Hey, let's do ten push-ups together." uh, You're going to get a different response completely. Uh, and, and I feel like in parenting, I have two kids, you know, that are 10 and 12 now, and there's a big difference for me telling them to do something than if I'm doing it with them or encouraging them to do it. Uh, I find that parenting, a lot of times parents are so busy with their own thoughts and their own concerns and fears that they're kind of pushing their kids away. They're like, Hey, go get on your tablet or, you know, leave me alone. And, and we're not getting that encouragement through, through parenting, maybe as much as we were. and it might be- I was raised from a big family, so it was very old school. It was very a lot of yelling, a a lot of accountability, right? And and sometimes I I feel like some parents nowadays uh, are are becoming a little bit too disconnected, and and we're starting to see that through these kids. Um, and uh, it's really scary what the future could hold if we don't teach these kids about uh, um, that it's okay to fail and 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 it's all part of life. So yeah. yeah.
1: You know, many years ago, there was a sensational martial artist named Thomas Le Puppet out of New York, mm-hmm. and uh, he was the, I believe, second member of the Black Belt Hall of Fame, and he happened to be, I think, the first, well, he was the first black member of the Black Belt Hall of Fame, and uh, I think he had a, his dojo was in Brooklyn, but I could be wrong, it was one of the boroughs of New York, I'm pretty sure it was Brooklyn, or the Bronx, It's, uh, but he would mentor the the children right and 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 help and and he's not the the only one there was others that would do that too and um yeah and i think part of the the, and they in new york back then they used they did different styles of martial arts i don't remember particularly what one his was but they would do things like gojo ru and you know uh shotokan and different styles Part of the issues nowadays is those types of martial arts schools are gone. Um, Sadly, because it's become MMA or jujitsu oriented. And of course, you know, Taekwondo, but I think Taekwondo will always be here because they got that Korean backing, you know, but... um, So some of these types of schools that are so good about character development, um, they're no longer there. And I also think that we mentioned YouTube earlier. You did YouTube could like, you could be the greatest coach and you could really be inspiring these children and making a positive difference. And then five minutes on YouTube could wipe that out because like the last time I saw any video clips of uh, legends was, was quite a few years ago when one of my, I was training somebody and they wanted me to see these clips. Clips were fine, but the comments, oof, they yep. were brutal. They were just attacking the instructors relentlessly. So I can imagine, let's say that was you being viciously yeah. attacked, and your student checks it out, kind of wipes out. So I yeah. give you credit for, for being able to have your students avoid that or be, you're, you're such a strong influence on them that they can overcome that. Because no matter who you are, you're going to get badged on the Internet. That's a given. But yeah. I just – Wish there were more small schools like that that were teaching stuff other than just, you know, uh, sport related or you got to compete kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's a balance, right? I mean, uh, you know, you got to kind of find what your wheelhouse is and and what really is making a difference. And, and for me, it, it can't be a selfish approach. And I think that a lot of times, especially in the jujitsu community, it's a very ego driven sport, right? It's like, oh, can I tap you? Can you tap me? It's like. Yeah, that's that's cool. We want to we want to win the game. But at the end of the day, we're all doing this to 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 be able to face problems outside of the gym. Right. And, and realize that the problems outside of the gym really aren't as as big as we might think that they are. Um, and when you when you base it around yourself and your ego, uh, you forget that you should be there for your students and and for the community and and and, and the, the longevity of martial arts in general, because uh, obviously we've all been influenced in martial arts so uh it'd be it'd be really bad if we didn't have the martial art influence anymore in the in our community um so you know we just got to kind of thrive to to find ways to in to, to keep it alive if you will so
1: i want to ask you a question now if you don't want to answer this it, it's not controversial but it may no. slightly personal I, everything is <laughs> well no 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 uh so yeah. I never studied martial arts traditionally. I never went to a dojo, never went to a school. But as a child, I can remember once in a while getting the magazines and reading about the Chinese styles and the Japanese styles. Yeah. More more than the even I did read about the Korean styles, but it was in, in the 70s, it was really in the magazines, a lot of Japanese, a lot of Chinese. But anyway, the point is when I would watch the television show Kung Fu, uh, yeah. I got really into the culture of it all okay yeah and i know that people that i've talked to that that did these asian martial arts they maybe mm-hmm. traveled to china or traveled to uh japan and they got into that culture are you into the brazilian culture or it was that even uh you know impressed upon you when you were learning jiu-jitsu
3: so my my wife is half japanese half brazilian um and she's from brazil uh oh. but her family lives in japan but we, I've been to Japan five, five times now. I, I love Japan. I love the culture of Japan, Brazil. I, I haven't been to, but you know, Brazil is um, it's it just, a, it's a different, it's a different mentality of, of, of people, you know, the Brazilians are very prideful people and they, they're very prideful on their, their art and, and their influence in the jiu-jitsu community. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm, I like their food, right. I, mean, yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really been exposed to their cultures to be able to answer that question as much as I could for, let's say, Japan. I do want to go to Brazil. I was talking to my wife the other day about it, about how I want to get there this year. Um, But there's concerns going there, right? Like, I'm concerned going in there, being an American, doing their art. Are they going to try to hurt me? Because I've heard a lot of horror stories of of people going to Brazil and these people trying to hurt them in training. Um, But um, I've also heard there's some really great, amazing people there, too um but uh but the then also let's talk about brazilian jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu was actually a japanese comes from the ja- japanese uh system right so it comes from jiu-jitsu um and then the the gracies made up their own style of brazilian jiu-jitsu so um everything really comes from the asian cult- cultures when it comes to to martial arts and the greeks But right?
1: um yeah well okay good you answered that because yeah I, I i was always curious and you know i, I, don't, I don't know if i i don't i don't believe i've ever asked any asked anyone you know that question like i don't think i know jason bender doesn't appear to be like really into the brazilian culture because he probably wasn't yeah. you know um you know raised like like that uh you know uh whatever i mean not that it makes a difference because it got really nothing to do with the march i i, I oh. Like if I was and, in your position, I would be all about the Japanese thing because I love their food. First of all, I've only had Brazilian steakhouse once, so I don't know Brazilian food, but I do know Japanese. Mm-hmm. I love it. But I can the, give you
3: some recommendations. It's the good stuff
1: <laughs> for what, Brazil for or Japan
3: for Brazilian for Brazilian oh. food. I'm saying like oh yeah. Oh,
1: well, please do. Yeah, later. Let me know. But, but um, so my coach was Polish. And my oh. gym, or my gym, my church was Polish that I was raised in. So to this day, I, I have a heavy, even though I'm an Italian, I have a heavy Polish influence uh, in my mm-hmm. life and their culture. And so I've never been there or anything, but um, living in Chicago, you almost don't really need to go to Poland. Chicago is Poland in a way. Right. Um, sure. So uh, so I, I have my Italian thing. I got the, the Polish thing. Uh, and of course, the American thing with, with the, the the history of the catch wrestling here in America and just being American, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, I sometimes always thought, man, I wish I could have, I'm happy with what I did. Don't get me wrong. I, what I've learned is the best I could have learned for me, but sure. it would have been nice to be, a, you know, to be exposed more to a, to a different Asian culture. I believe, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not too old to be exposed, but I'm probably too old now to, and I'm so separated from that culture where I live. I, I detach myself from it. But I, I'm glad you 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 answered it. But at least you got some of that through your wife.
3: Yeah, and you know, I mean, with every martial arts that I've ever studied, there's politics and everything, right? Oh. And uh, it's it's outrageous. But I, I think that goes with any sports too. But um, uh, the, the 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 cultures that I've that I've experienced um, in, in martial arts has been has been really cool. But genuinely. Or authentic um, experiences would really only be like a Japanese style, you know, cause like we talk about Brazil, right. And, and because of the, it's a third world country and, and, a lot of the really best Brazilian fighters have migrated to America, you know, in California and Florida, New York, um, Texas. Now, I mean, that's where all the best Brazilian Jiu Jitsu fighters and teachers are now in America. I mean, there's a few still in Brazil, but most of them, have migrated into America. So if you really want the best jujitsu, go to go to one of those four or five states, right? So um, but the culture is different, right? Um, I really, you know, I really would love to go and, you know, check out their carnival uh, in Brazil. You know, it's a big party kind of uh, experience that they have in Brazil. I would love their experience out there. Um, but there's some really dangerous spots out there that you don't want to go into, like the favelas uh, and places like that. So just like here in Chicago there's certain spots you don't want to go to. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, boy. What about Korea? You were a taekwondo master. Did you learn anything about the Korean culture? Cuz I love their food too.
3: Yeah, no. I I I um mine mine was more of American freestyle taekwondo, so it wasn't the gotcha. uh, the WTF style of of taekwondo, but we still had to count in Korean and things like that. Um but um yeah, I no, I've never made it to Korea. Um uh yeah, I've never never met it to Korea as well. So but again, the 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 spirit of the Asian culture, the respect, the the, the those are the things that I, I think the whole world needs more of, right? And I think just uh, you know, respecting your elders and 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 um and just being a good person and having values, I think everybody needs more of that in 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 our day-to-day life. Especially on social media. I mean, social media, we got keyboard keyboard warriors that say so much stuff that's just out of context and they would never say it to your face, um, which is one of the reasons uh, I have a lot of people that ask me to post a lot of videos and stuff. And I, I do some here and there, but something I want to do more of, but sometimes it becomes more stressful having to deal with the potential backlashing of some person far away talking bad about you. Uh, I, I You've probably experienced some of it, uh, oh, you know, because I know you put a lot of videos I, up, right? But
1: I'm the poster boy of it. But that's why I walked away <laughs> from it. I don't go on social media. Joe handles it. Now we're gonna get this guy Artie up to do it. Uh I don't want to hear I know. It Artie because, is young. Yeah, you'll yeah. you'll have a nervous breakdown. You can't the lies and the well, we don't need to go down that path, but yeah. Um so forgetting about the internet for a minute, the electronic computer, like what we're doing now, this Zoom, and I train Martin and I would like to start training other people via Zoom. Um, that is a great use of technology so you know you can come into somebody's home as we are uh Mm -hmm. or their gym and share knowledge uh and i think i'm i know people are utilizing it but that that really for me would be an untapped resource Uh, i wish we had that when i was Mm -hmm. a young man um but two i could have gotten sucked into the information overload shit as well and got derailed Mm -hmm. completely but
3: Yeah, yeah. I you know when I uh, when COVID happened, I was the first one to start Zoom classes in this area. uh, Pretty much, I had a bunch of people calling me and asking me about it, uh, and I did it probably for six, six, seven, eight months. Um, But uh, for me, I just felt like I need to, especially what we do. Like I felt like I need to get my hands on people, and they need to put their hands on people. But um, uh, it was different then, right? Because people were isolated in their houses and stuff, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's a great resource. It's, it's also good to, to be able to ask somebody like yourself, some specific details if you already have like a, a good understanding of, of the martial arts and having somebody like yourself or, or some other person that's been in the, a pioneer in the game that could give you more specific details or, um, overcoming mental challenges that you might face when you're, when you're training and things like that or competing. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's a great resource as well.
1: So for the people out there, speaking of competing, I found myself in a quagmire several few years ago because I had, as Scott had mentioned, I had been at his gym. I done a, gave him a private and all of this. And then time goes by, we, we lose touch. Jason Bender. So Bender nice. has a match. Okay. Jason's like, I want you there at the match. I'm like, well, naturally. So, He's
3: low, guy, low who's
1: him. Jason fighting? This guy. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah. and I didn't know at I mean, I did not know right away until that night of the fight. I'm like, mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, Jason. This is this guy's got a very good guard, you're gonna have you know, just be careful, okay? I said, That's about yeah. all I can tell you. Um, yeah, you, you, you pulled the you know, you shocked me. So, you know, I, I want to see you win, I want to see Jason win, I don't want to see you yeah. guys fighting each other, right? Yeah, but yeah, like I mentioned before, Jason said he he gained a a a, a wonderful lifelong friendship out of out of that match against you and he he told me how helpful you've been with his business and so on that's the kind of guy you are that's your yeah
3: that's a great mean, that's 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 what it should be like i feel like you know jason's an amazing person he's a great martial artist and and they're hard to come by nowadays with both of those characteristics being a good person and a good martial artist um and uh you know, any way that I can help people, you know, I've been doing martial arts business, like helping people run schools for man over 25 years. So like, if I can help people, um, there's no reason that I wouldn't answer questions, especially with somebody as great as, as, as he is. Right. And, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting that we got, we got part, like matched up against each other. And, uh, I, uh, it, it was, a it was a great experience and, um, he's, uh, it was a blessing to have to compete against them. And um, I actually want to make it out. I keep telling him to make it out to his gym and do some cross training with him. Um, it's just been really tough with my schedule and having a family and stuff. But I, this year marketing on your podcast, I will be out to his gym to, <laughs> to cross train and, and uh, to show him some support because uh, we need more people like Jason in our community because uh, yeah, we need more people like him. Well, you're both for sure
1: pair of good guys and you're right can never have enough and i don't know a whole lot of people so i'm not sitting here saying oh everybody sucks you know or i'm not exposed to a lot of people anymore uh yeah i'm I'm out of i've I've been out of touch for the last 10 years probably at least so um but joe joe makes joe gets around um so in more ways than one right joe Uh, (laughs) and we joe we have to go um uh to uh the sword school too we have to make it out to the sword school we have to make it back out to scott's new place and see it but the sword school you say is right down by benders
2: yeah absolutely and they they're they're a bunch of cool guys too and uh like that actually goes interesting because you talk about culture um uh, this is a digression it's not, not not scott is but you know they're obviously into um uh european you know, sword fighting. And And so that a lot of those people, you know, uh, I know that the main instructor, I believe he speaks Italian and, you know, all these things, they have to learn these things to really embrace what's going on. So, I mean, there is kind of that uh, it's more than just the skills, you know, there's a community there uh, there's history to learn, Um, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of other dimensions and it's not just the Asian arts that can provide that um, if you're looking for something. And that's, that's exciting to me too, just to see that it's, you know that we're we're still drawing from all these like you know historical locations and um people are keeping those systems alive um yeah i was thinking about uh thailand and casey you know i went there um and actually jason's going there uh and the one thing is most people think oh i'm going to thailand people go to thailand a lot of times for two reasons they go there either to train to fight or to party you know yeah. and they're they're really missing out <clears throat> I mean, obviously, the training, world-class kickboxing, but I went there, uh, and and really, I only trained a little bit in their sword system, because Casey does that there, and that's my son, Um, but really, he just took me around, and we just toured the countryside, went to these beautiful temples, went to these beautiful, I mean, it wasn't, the culture is so amazing. It's so beautiful, and people usually don't, they think, oh, it's a third-world country, it's just, I mean, yes, it's a developing, upcoming country, but I mean, I mean, most of us here in the US have. One of the things I was thinking about also is the multicultural, the blessing of being in a multicultural country like the US is we really get to sample all these things. You know, like we know Thai food. We know, you know, you can get Brazilian food or whatever you want, especially like in a big metropolitan area. You know, everything's within probably 30, 40 minutes, you can find, you know, uh, fairly authentic food. Um, And I'm rambling. I don't know where I was going with this. But yeah, you can go to a country like Japan. Or Brazil, and not even want to train. I mean, these, these, there's such rich yeah. culture, history. You know, if I went to Brazil, I'd say, I said, I pretty much can stand the beach. You know, like if I'm flying there or yeah. Japan, like I would just want to tour the castles and, you know, like mm. the castles are
3: beautiful. They're, 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 they're remarkable, those castles.
2: Yeah. yeah. I, I, so, I mean, there's just so much to see in the world. And, and
1: well, you know, really- to me, we, America has some third world areas. Let's, let's yeah. make that. I mean, no no doubt about it. I mean, I've, I've seen some of them. You know, I was probably raised in what I would consider almost third world. But, you know, parts of Cleveland were like parts of Chicago, but, you know. Yeah, no, I. hearing you guys talk about all of this, uh, you know, it, it, it kind of inspires me because, you know, in a bad way. So when I was a kid, I, I was trapped in that bad neighborhood, and I always dreamt of getting out you know going going leaving and i got that wonderlust my whole life now i'm in a nicer i mean i'm in a rural area totally misplaced and again i get that feeling of being trapped you know because there's just mm. literally nothing around me it's not third world or it's not violent like it was Cleveland, but it's just you know so when i hear you guys talk with such enthusiasm about this it it fires me up. So, you know, might be another James Bond movie night so I can watch him travel the world, you know? Um, but, yeah, you know, I gotta, I gotta say this now. Let, let's switch gears quickly here. We'll use that number 40. I, I get so many emails from people saying, am I too old to train? And mm. sometimes, yeah, it's people in their seventies. And I'm like, Hey, listen, I've worked with people in their seventies, but, even people around your age, there's there's folks out there that may have never gotten ever really in shape or they're so far out of shape. Um, talk about that and how you approach your fitness because that's part of your schools fit fit to defend. Talk about your fitness yeah. and your your, your your thing.
3: Yeah. So um, I would I think martial arts is for everybody, depending on what stage they are in their life. I think if you're going to get into training when you get older i think you just have to know your limitations and you have to pick your training partners wisely uh and and more importantly you got to set your parameters on what your goals are when you are training um me personally i i in addition to training i train i teach 5 6 days a week uh i train with my students twice to three times a week i get on the mats and i train with them uh but then i also have a personal trainer that i train with he was mr universe and 2017 2018 so i train with him twice a week just to kind of get strength and build my joints back up um but you my dad used to say you are what you eat right so i i I try to eat as clean as i could excuse me i try to eat as clean as i can i i take the right vitamins um it's just living a certain lifestyle especially if you want to do something like jujitsu or krav maga or something that's putting a lot of pressure on your and, and wear and tear on your body um but, yeah, I, I think um, as long as people go in with the right mindset and the attitude, um, they they could be very successful with it. I mean, I know more people that get hurt from trying to grab something off the ground than, yeah. you know, in yeah. a jiu-jitsu class, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're slipping on a piece of ice or something crazy. But, yeah, my my, uh, I went to school for uh, – I didn't finish my degree, but I went to school for exercise science because I found fitness fascinating. Um, but just like the martial arts, there's a lot of different principles and concepts and they're constantly changing. So it was, it was hard to kind of uh, find that foundation that I was hoping I was going to get out of that exercise science degree. Um, so I kind of switched gears and just focus on the martial arts. Um, but I do implement that into my life in regards to trying to exercise and uh, there's some other things that I do. Um, I, I infrared saunas are really important in my training. I, I do that twice a week, twenty to thirty minutes, twice a week. Um, cold plunging is really important for recovery. Uh, cold showers if you don't have a plunge. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I'm doing at this point.
1: Yeah, I used to have a infrared sauna at the old gym that I had. When I lost, when it, when my friend got killed, my partner, we, we lost it. I lost everything there, but that was nice and relaxing. It was a small one. Yeah. Was, well, you could squeeze two people in, but really it's a one it was a one seater. Um Sure. There were there I don't remember what it would cost. About a grand or something. I don't I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But, um Joe, what you're on you dieting. How how's that going for you?
2: Well, so this week has been a I haven't been able to track it. like I said I'm not at home, so I don't have scale and things like that. So, um you know, I plan to get figure out where I'm at uh, tomorrow and buckle back down. I did find an interesting combination just coincidentally previous to this. Um, so one of the things that you're doing, and I know, uh, I've done some in the past and I'm using it, um, intermittently is intermittent fasting. Um,
1: mm. Oh, it's phenomenal.
2: You know, and it's interesting cause it's just kind of a, a nice concrete way of restricting calories. I mean, you could theoretically binge once your time is up, but if you just eat what, you know, if you just skip that meal and say, okay, I'm just going to eat what my regularly would eat. Um, it's kind of a natural thing. And I also, I think, you know, it, I mean, we talked about fasting a little bit on this podcast before about how, you know, other, you know, it's, it's in a lot of spiritual practices and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, and there's a lot of ideas about just slowing down your metabolism through it and the mental strength you get from it. But I was going to say is one little tweak that I found is, um, Uh, I did an intermittent fast day and then I did some kind of, I did kind of like a mid distance run that afternoon. So I ate, digested a little bit and then went for a run and I really dropped some weight there. Like the one, two punch that day of mixing those two was interesting. interesting. I didn't kill myself, you know, like I didn't do a hardcore workout, but I did a nice, like I, you know, and so I'm going to experiment a little bit with that a little bit more to see if that, um, that combination of getting, uh, you know. I don't know if it's strictly cardio that needs to be, but getting that workout in on my intermittent fast day. And a lot of people do that anyways, but I'd usually, uh, I I just noticed a, I I was surprised um, at the mountain. Now, some of it could have just been water weight. You know, there's a lot more variables at play there, but um, so, yeah, I mean, it's still at play. Like I said, I've got kind of the long game for this, uh, you know, season, you know, obviously it's um, a game for spring. So I've got a, a phase two, that's going to be uh coming up for my diet um but yeah and like i said i'm laying the groundwork for my uh, cardio so i'm just doing like i said lighter runs right now to keep my the impact uh i think there's some impact conditioning with your your joints and your back which you know um so if i can just keep up mid- some mild running hopefully i'll be able to up my miles once it gets warmer out so um
3: you have access to a pool
2: uh i don't at the moment um
3: but that's a possibility. Because swimming is really good anaerobically, but it's also really good for joints, right? You're not putting any kind of uh, unneeded pressure or, or strain on your joints. Um, and uh, it's good for breathing. It's good for a lot of things. Um, you know, some supplements that you guys think about taking, um, and when I say supplements, I don't mean like a specific brand, but like turmeric is a, is a really good recovery, uh, supplement. It's like an ibuprofen, but it's an Indian spice. A lot of people put it in their eggs and things, but turmeric is a really good one that I take. Um, I take vitamin D every single day. Uh, B complex is good just to kind of give us a little boost. Cause I cut out caffeine in my diet. So I don't even, I don't drink coffee or, or drink any caffeine at all. So, um, Yeah. Those are things I could
1: Turmeric. I'm already doing the vitamins and I, vitamin B. And as a matter of fact, several months ago, when I was when I first went to the doctor, finally, I was low on B12, so I, I'm taking mm. B12 supplement. Um, but I you feel actually, difference, right? Yeah, I, outside of like injuries, like jo- I I feel much better. I have some turmeric. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to next not this coming week cuz i'm still dieting should be my last week next month or next well yeah next month the beginning of february i'm going to take you up on that i'm going to do that turmeric right.
3: you should start sure. doing it and you just do it you know you don't have to do it every day but like every other day and you'll in about a week or two you'll start seeing your joints will start feeling a little bit looser um and i know a lot of people don't want to do it man but every morning you wake up you jump in a cold shower it does something to you for the rest of the day it does something uh, to you. It, yeah, for sure. I mean, but really it does. It gives some, you know, different type of energy, but just recovery purposes. Uh, there's a guy named Wim Hof. You ever heard of him before? Yeah. He's a pretty yeah. famous guy. Um, but you should listen to some of his stuff uh, about the the benefits of cold plunging. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's for everybody, but even just cold showers, cold baths um, are really good. Uh, other things that I like doing is um, for recovery. If I've had a really hard workout, um I'll take a, a bath, like a warm bath with Epsom salt. Uh, that's a really good one for recovery as well. So, now, you, uh, well, go ahead. Uh,
1: no, I was just going to say one of the th- I've lived in this house for nine years now, next month. Mm-hmm. We don't have a bathtub, okay? Just a shower. And I, I'm a shower guy, but I've, this is the first time in my life that I've ever lived anywhere that didn't have a bathtub. Um, yeah. Apparently, who used to live here or used to, or the previous owner was handicapped. Um, because there was a ramp and all of that. And it's a handicapped shower. So apparently, whoever it was, you know, they had the bathtub removed. and just, just had the shower stall. But yeah, I know about the Epsom salt baths because I used to take those all the time. They're really good. Yeah.
3: They're really, really good. I mean, for recovery, they say it's, uh, if you're cramping or, or yeah, if you're cramping, they say in order, it's like lack of potassium, lack of magnesium and then lack of water. So like, yep. you gotta get potassium. If you already have enough of that, then it's magnesium, which you get from those Epsom salt baths and then water. Cause we can all can consume more water, um, on a daily basis.
1: <laughs> you were going to say
2: I, something, Joseph? Yeah, I don't want to, cause we're kind of heading on 90 minutes and I know it's, it's okay. you know, we're we'll probably had to wrap it up, but I do have one more. I want to kind of circle back to your swimming, um. And I want to, I guess, one I've struggled. One of the things that um, I guess was put in integrating swimming, I guess I'm hesitant with it, which is funny because I've never, mostly all I hear is positives about swimming, you know, okay, because hmm. you don't have the impact. And uh, so I was, um, uh, you know, I swam in high school, much like okay. my gra- grappling career. You know, I was the worst swimmer on my swim team. I'm the worst grappler in my grappling group. But like, you know, I can, <laughs> but. Uh, I did put a lot of hours and times in the pool and it's interesting Mm because the interplay. So one of the things I struggle with uh, is my conditioning with grappling. And it was interesting. We had Artie last week and he said, you know, there's different types of conditioning. Like he said, I can grapple. He said, "Of him speaking of himself, he could grapple for a couple hours, no problem. But if you tell him to run two miles, forget it, which shocked me. um, To me, like, I've always found grappling to be like you know I, I can lift weights I can run whatever grappling always was like worse than both of those combined for me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's
3: it's a different type of muscle groups that you're using.
2: And mm-hmm. one of the things, so there there is just the um, the reality that you know there's obviously some Venn diagram overlap of the fitnesses, but each one's unique um the other thing that i was going to say and and tony knows this from watching me train a lot and anybody who's trained with me a lot um especially when i'm trying new skills but in grappling i've really struggled with holding my breath it instinctively kicks in where like we'll be doing moves and it's like i know i shouldn't be this tired and just through self-auditing and being more self-aware as i'm working i was like oh i was either people from the outside were seeing me do it or i was catching it and my my point being is is I think at least part of that comes from my swimming training. So my, you know, the countless hours in the pools doing laps, at least the way I was trained to swim, and that may be different, is that you would hold your breath and effort up like you do. However, like you'd almost try and do like a whole length of the pool without breathing, like when you hit off the blocks. And so when you're hitting this high and then you'd, your breath would explode, you're like, you try and be, you try to breathe rarely because every time you breathe, you're slowing your stroke down. So when you turn to take a breath, that's a little bit of a delay in the swim. So you almost were like, and I remember consciously saying, you know, hold your breath, hold your breath, hold your breath. Okay, now breathe. Hold your breath, hold your breath, hold your breath. And it's weird now I think that that's imprinted on me where sure. when I start to get in a struggling mode, my physiology is like, oh, this is the time when we hold our breath. And, yeah. and that is, yeah. I think that is adding to my problems. I have many problems. As, as you know, if, you, if you're a listener mm-hmm. to this podcast, you know, I have many psychological and physical problems, but one of them I think might be the training from swimming. And I, I, I can't mm. say that objectively, definitively, but um, sure. I just want to put that out well,
3: there. One of my concerns. Yeah. Well, you know, it's that fight or flight response, right? It's like, you know, if, you, if you've if you developed that for such a long time as a kid doing swimming and you're under stress, you're taught to hold your breath, potentially, you know, to be able to last longer. And then you get put under stress. Somebody's trying to choke you or on top of you and your instinct is to hold your breath. Um, I would encourage you to try to work through that in regards to not holding <laughs> your breath. because That could that could not be good for you. And that definitely is making you tired, more tired. Um, you know, uh, Hicks and Gracie came out with a book called breathe. Uh he kind of talks about some of his breathing exercises that he does. Um and then he's made him kind of world famous now. Uh and he's just teaching you how to breathe from your stomach and control your your breath. And um and, and there's a lot of it's like a whole nother um uh, art to that and just breathing in itself. And there's a lot of resources out there for that too. So um yeah learning how to breathe is, is an essential part. Uh you know I'm a i am i weigh 155 pounds. Most of the guys I'm training with are 220 to 300 pounds right so it's like when they're on top of me if i'm not breathing right it's a it's a long day for me right so um yeah learning how to breathe properly is important so but i've never heard that holding your breath for a whole lane of swimming but i'm not a professional swimmer by any means
1: well i can say that i can speak on behalf of people that know joe and work out with joe and and they i mean they really kind of want you to just always hold your breath i mean
2: like, yeah, <laughs> they never I, yeah in I inspire people to hold their breath as well. Yeah, no, yeah. they
1: never want to, but no, Scott. I have a friend of mine that was a champion swimmer. Mm-hmm. Same thing, he would hold his breath. Um, that's just the thing, just to get so. Uh, and his name is also Scott, by the way. So, uh, oh, kind of nice, but I don't swim, okay? So, I can't, I stay out of that conversation, man. I don't know the first yeah. thing about swimming at all. Well, it's back to
3: it's just back to that getting comfortable being uncomfortable swimming pools are not my comfort zone. So sometimes I'll just do it just to, you know, <laughs> get more comfortable doing it. So.
1: Well, I did practice holding my breath. I mean, Robin used to have me practice holding my breath and do doing the deep breathing exercises, probably like similar to Hickson, you know, it's kind of yoga ish, but he had me mm-hmm. breathe upside down, you know, meaning standing on my head, bent over on a bridge, bent over forward. I, <clears> I have pictures somewhere of me in these different positions at my old gym. Um, and learning to breathe, restricted, uh, mm-hmm. which is so great because, especially in grappling, the way we, the way we wrestle, you're, you know, you're going to be in all different contorted spots, and it's yeah. good to know that hey, I've already had experience in breathing in these conditions, um, you know, uh, that you know, one of these days, Joe, on our podcast, we're going to have to talk about that because that's part of my training that I never really discussed too much
2: yeah i really want to i was thinking about that we should do a video some videos on it and whether we put it on youtube or put it up on the membership site maybe yeah um absolutely because that's some again that's some you know some more of that you know ancient knowledge that uh rod von had and i want to make sure we capture it and uh who knows doing it in those weird positions might be something that'll help me you know that i won't lock down on my breath at all you gotta know when to switch
1: from a chest breathe to a stomach breathe because if if a guy's pinning your chest let's say like scott's saying he weighs 300 pounds every deep breath you take you're you're trying to move that 300 pound body which isn't going to work okay it's just going to get yeah. you out more so that's where you have to do so shallow and breathe from lower and conversely if he's pinning you lower then you breathe from the upper uh, it, it's easy to say but it's it's hard to do you know it, it it takes practice like anything i'll show it to you joe um no no problem but I guess we better wrap it up. We have been going on for quite some time, but Scott, you're always, you'd be one of the guys that we want to have back on because you could just really get into some, you know, we could talk about your techniques and your approach to fighting the next time, but this is a good one. Yes. The groundwork of, of who you are, you know, for, you know, for the five or six people that watch our, our podcast, <laughs> you know, um, now they know who you are, but seriously, people, sure. If you're in Chicago or planning a visit to Chicago, we'll have all of his contact information um supplied here and feel free to reach out and schedule a private lesson or drop in for a group training uh or a class with Scott give him a heads up, you know, and say hey, yeah. we saw you or we heard you on the podcast.
3: And just yeah, we'd to- love for, you, for anybody to come by for sure. Yeah. So tell them before we sign off, where can they find <laughs> you again? So my gym is called Fit to Defend Academy. Uh we're in Lake Bluff, Illinois. It's kind of the halfway point between Chicago and Milwaukee. Um, and um yeah, we're up for anybody to come by and do some cross training or, you know, learn how to defend themselves. And um yeah, I'm I'm I go around a lot to to do tournaments to to compete myself or coach people. Uh and um uh, yeah, I'd love to help any way that I can. So And if you have a gym, if you have a gym and you're looking for people to come by and cross train out, man, I'll come by and cross train too. I got, I love cross training with people. As long as, you know, we're all respectful. I'm, I love to cross train with people. So.
1: Yeah. Honorable to have, it's been an honor for me to have you on here. You're one of the guys that I want to keep in touch with one of the good guys and sadly they're shrinking numbers. You know, the ego, as you mentioned earlier, sometimes gets in the way. Um, I knew when I had my gym, Kevin and I had a mutual friend. His daughter was training out of a fairly well-known MMA gym. She was a aerobics, fitness, you know, women's fitness instructor. Sure, so she had a very successful class, but um, she had a She had to get out of this. She had to move because the guys were intimidating her, her, her clientele, you know, because they're walking around yeah. with the skin tight shirts and the tattoos and the all the, all the negativity, the stereotypical, and they were just, it was a bad environment. She had a bail. Um, Yeah.
3: Well, and that's the other thing we need to get more women in jujitsu. But the problem is, is, you know, not only are we all close, we're on top of each other, but you know, it's, 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 it can be a very intimidating thing. So we need to get more women getting higher in these ranks. So more women need to start running more programs uh, because women need to get jujitsu skills because, unfortunately if they were attacked that's where men are going to take them down is onto the ground but that's a whole nother conversation so well you're
1: correct on that but i just want to make a clarification that she wasn't involved in the martial arts she was there renting her space to teach her fitness class and just the the attitude the uh caveman attitude whatever you want to call it scared off her um her clientele so yeah it's you mentioned as long as people are you know respectful that's what you want because going into a strange gym um, or even in your own gym, if you have somebody who's riled up that day full of piss and vinegar, you don't yeah. need to put yourself out there and get hurt. Um, yeah. it, it's, just, it's just not worth it, especially when we all have it, – it, it it, everybody's got a job pretty much, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, you can't risk getting hurt. I was told, you know, back when the, in the 60s and early 70s, judo was king. All, almost all yeah. the martial arts schools were judo-oriented. And part of the reason that judo this is what I was told faded away was because of the impact, the throws and this and that. People were getting, you know, clubbed up. Yeah. They're 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 going to work the next day if they can go to work limping or their arms jacked up. And that kind of helped kill judo. Um yeah. uh, and again, I don't know if that was true. That's what I was told on more than one occasion, but it certainly does make sense. Um so yeah, we, we wanna train effectively, but safely and i just want to point out that most boxers and wrestlers collegiate or scholastic wrestling and boxing um you know you don't they're able to train without injury the injuries are freakish okay yeah Um, it would have happened like you mentioned picking up something off the table you know so there's no reason to try to go out there and hurt somebody i remember angelo dundee the great boxing trainer saying once there are no knockdowns in my gym and he was vehement mm-hmm. about that. You're, when you're sparring, you're not there to hurt your uh, your training partner. There's no knockdowns. If there is, you got trouble. So right. um, But anyway, on that note, though, once again, we'll see Scott again, I'm sure. Joe, what do you have yeah. to say uh, in closing?
2: No, just a great conversation. Thanks again, Scott, for making the time. I definitely hope to see you in the near future or have you back. Um, yeah, and if you've got anything you need to plug, let us know, and we'll definitely plug it on Tony's social media, no problem. Um, yeah. Great conversation. Well, thanks again, guys, for having
3: me out. What's up?
1: Go ahead. No. I Say was it. just
3: saying thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you guys having me out, oh. and and, uh, and uh, I would love to come back and bring Tony back out to the gym and do another workshop. And if you guys are ever looking to get Tony out for your spot, I highly recommend it, and uh, hopefully we can, we'll keep in touch for sure. And uh, right, thanks. thanks again.
1: And just let me say, for next week, we're we're scheduled to have John Hernandez, an awesome marksman uh, and nice. uh, shooting instructor. And uh, we, unless things fall through, he's scheduled to be on our show next week. So until that time, everybody, thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you see you again.